0: You're listening to a DM podcast. Let's go on a trip. Yeah, let's go on a trip. Yeah, baby. It's not too bad. What was the question
1: again? (laughs) Okay, let's go. I'm Angela Caternes. I'm Ian Rogerson. And welcome to Suddenly Senior. This is a podcast series for those of us who've reached a certain age in life.
0: That's right. You can join if you're not our age, but it'll be a lot more fun if you are.
1: (laughs) So strap yourselves in, check your blood pressure, light your spliff.
0: Pour yourself a small bevvy and let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Heather Mitchell has done it all. A successful film, stage and TV career. Had children in her 40s when older mothers really weren't fashionable. Uh She's not much older now. (laughs) Nursed a critically ill child. She's grieved the death of parents. Lived with cancer twice. Now she's written her memoir. And after listening to that intro, I understand the title. Everything and nothing, it's called. (laughs) Heather Mitchell, thanks for joining us. It's been quite a journey. Are you glad you made it?
1: I am so glad to be here. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very glad that you're here too. Would it be fair to say that you're experiencing something of a renaissance at this stage in your life? Well, that's a lovely way of putting it. Um, I'm certainly, uh, just at
2: this moment, uh, have a number of different things happening and all of them seem to be slightly... um, being well-received, I guess, and I think but behind it all, I think it's just that um, living at a particular time when um, older women, more mature women, for instance, are sort of being heard a bit more Mm. and seen a bit more. Why do you think that is? Well, I think because it's essential. Is it because... (laughs) I think it's because it's really important. Is it because
0: (laughs) old people are starting to bang on the door a bit?
2: I think definitely, and I think um, that particularly... I mean, we're very, diversification is obviously something that we're all talking about all the time. And, um, but, and I think that bizarrely women belong to that category a little and particularly I think women as they get older. And I think that women um, as they've aged have often felt, um, as men have as well, I'm sure, but I think women in particular because of the way our society has been sort of structured, uh, fairly male dominant in many areas, um, that women are sort of saying, well, um, the aging process is no longer the way it used to be, and I'm not going to buy into that. And stories about women, particularly in my industry, um, which is storytelling in a way, um, that the stories of women, women's lives are rich and wonderful as they get older, and they're not necessarily narrow and um, uh, less exciting. Mm-hmm. So their stories. There. Well, and
1: especially, especially the life of of the fabulous, um Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who you played RBG. Um, there's a woman with a story worth telling, isn't there?
2: Oh well, she's the most remarkable woman, and I just I was in love with her. I mean, I followed her closely. Um, then became very excited, of course, when Susie Miller proposed writing something about her. But there's a woman who, you know fought for so many rights for women, and not just women. It, she started actually by using men um to show the way so that uh, that we would look at it, look at women in the same mm. way. But um I mean, she was a most remarkable woman just uh, because of the way she did it also, to be, a woman who was one of nine women only at Harvard University in a cohort of 500 but she didn't stamp and scream she did it methodically calmly she took people with her she did it with a sharp intellect and a and a huge heart and i think at the basis of it it was very much for her from all my research was that she was someone who believed in that each individual can make a big difference. Mm. And it's about the community as much as yourself. Yeah.
0: It's interesting, you know, all those years on the stage and on the screen, you've been interpreting other people's stories. When you're doing a character like Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who, who has some sort of parallels as far as you, you're now of an age, you couldn't have played it probably as a 20-year-old.
2: No, I don't think so. Uh,
0: so so when you're, you're relating those stories, do you pick up a little bit of their anger or their happiness?
2: Look, it's a really good question, actually. Um, I think feelings are feelings, and I think anger is anger, regardless of what necessarily it's directed towards. And so it's transferring what anger is in that particular situation um so I feel like that with all feelings um with Ruth I feel like it's only now that I would even attempt to um and I think as I get older if I get the opportunity to play it again in years to come it would only feel get better even richer mm. um because she was a woman who was working right up into you know her 80s late 80s And well, yes, you do soak it up because also I think you're looking at everything in life while Mm. you're playing a particular character from, in a way, their point of view and from their life experience. But there were experiences that Ruth had in her life that I that really resonated with me personally. So that really helped as well.
0: Mm. Well, I guess that's what I was on about. You know, there are things you can grab from the stage and, and do they reinforce what you think?
2: Yeah, and it gave me a feeling of um, a wonderful feeling of satisfaction in performing that because I wasn't, I don't see acting as putting on a mask, um, and certainly the more the older I get, the more experienced I get, I see it very much about how I can connect personally with the role I'm playing. So this was a gift of a role because her mother died um, during her last very the end of the, her last year of school, and so did my mother. She'd had cancer three times. I'd had twice. We both have husbands called Marty, who you you know. Um, She, um, Jewish family. Mm -hmm. I was brought up in a Jewish family. I'm American as well as Australian American. So there were just little things that really I felt I really tapped into with her that made me feel very close to her.
1: Um, Of course, RBG, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was on the US Supreme Court. Um, Is there an Australian woman who perhaps you admire... (laughs) Almost as
2: much, Heather? Look, there are many Australian women I really admire. Um, probably not on the courts necessarily. I mean, I, on the courts there's um, Justice Kiefel. Um, there are many extraordinary women on the courts. But I would just say generally, I mean, a lot of them would be my friends, are extraordinary <laughs> women I know. One is your wife, mm-hmm. <laughs> Nicole Rogerson. <laughs> Sam Mostyn's another woman. Um, Susie Miller, who I know. I mean, I think we have the most remarkable women here in Australia most definitely who are literally dedicating themselves not just to uh, who are full of life full of um, a passion and drive Um, not just a passion because they're they're filled with this drive to keep going but because they really want to affect the community around them they really want to affect the people who are in trouble the people who are marginalized people who don't have a voice and I think that that's you know what Ruth was about yeah
1: Did you ever um, imagine yourself as a senior, uh, as an older woman, Heather? You were very glamorous as a younger woman. I think I always felt, thank you
2: for that, by the way. No, I think I always (laughs) felt older than I ever was. Is that right? I think I'm an old soul, so to speak, and I was never particularly uh, in my own skin, I think, when I was younger. Uh, in my 20s and 30s. And I think as I get older, I feel like I'm more where I'm meant to be. Mm. And I'm just grateful I've stayed alive to be able to feel that. So ageing kind of excites me. It is not frightening to me. I think when I was younger, I experienced an idea of life and death so that every day's kind of wonderful.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Everything and Nothing is a great title for a book. Where did that come from?
2: Look, it actually came from a girlfriend of mine, Joanne Corrigan. Oh, really? Uh, who's right. a mutual friend of ours. <laughs> and I gave her a draft of it to read. She was the first person to read it, and apart from Malcolm Knox. And um, she came up with the title Everything and Nothing. And it was basically came initially from a haiku that my mother had next to her bed as she wow. was dying, which was, in my 10-foot bamboo hut this spring, there is nothing, there is everything. And I grew up with this haiku This idea of a bamboo hut with a dirt floor where there's nothing and yet there's everything because Mm. there's sunlight, there's leaves. there's there's Basically, that idea of wonderment and curiosity keeps everything full. Wow. Beautiful.
1: I was going to ask you about um, something that a previous guest uh, who we had on this podcast told us about, and that was the mortality alarm.
0: Ah, uh, yes. Mm-hmm.
1: Do you sometimes wonder how many years you've got left? Um, look, I think I thought that when I was
2: quite young. Uh, when my mother died, I remember thinking, oh, so life can stop. It can just go. Yeah. It can. And what happens to that energy of that person when they're gone? That seemed really bizarre to me that life could just end. So I think when I first was diagnosed with breast cancer, um, I had two very small children. And after the initial shock, where I think you have an existential moment of this can't be happening, this isn't real, um, and all those feelings, uh, which are fear, basically, and survival instinct, I think I just went, okay, well, nothing really has happened yet. It's just a diagnosis. So I suppose it's just about doing everything to make that diagnosis simply that, not, mm. not a sentence of anything. But so it was about researching and uh, making decisions and, and taking step by step, which is therefore going back to Ruth Bader Ginsburg step by step is the only way to achieve things. Yeah.
0: I've got to ask you, you know, because a lot of people, when they, they get to their senior stage, think, oh, you know, I've got enough time now to write that book. Was it something you enjoyed? Was it really hard?
2: No, I enjoyed it very much and there was never, I'm going to write that book. I had no intention of writing a book. (laughs) (laughs) I was actually actually really busy at the time. I was doing a a play and I was doing some other work but this wonderful um, novelist, journalist, author, Malcolm Knox came to me and said, I'm looking for people who might have a voice. Um, Why don't you try writing something? Write me a short story from your life. So we just developed this um, communication via email where I would send him a story and he'd send back, keep going. He was just simply encouraging and every day I'd just sit down and do some writing. It was effortless. Oh, really? And I found the whole process was not cathartic or particularly therapeutic or anything, but it was like a clearing house. It was like clearing the shelves ah. in my life.
0: Was it hard to remember everything? No. No. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I found it quite... I found images very clear and very accessible and I just found it a very enjoyable process but really because he was so encouraging I think if I would never have done it except for Malcolm. Yeah. There's no way I would have done it. Hmm. I had no inclination to do it.
0: Well, and and now it's it's heading towards bestseller.
2: <laughs> there you go. I've seen you <laughs> signing copies. <laughs>
1: True that you appeared uh, on screen naked recently. Look, I try and make that a regular habit. <laughs> I,
2: yeah. Well, I was recently in a wonderful series which I loved very much called Love Me, and in season one of Love Me, um, I play Hugo Weaving's um, new partner, and um, yes, we have a few love making scenes, but also where we strip off and have a swim, and we both felt very adamant that those characters did have sex and that they did have lovemaking scenes um, and that they weren't just, you know, lying there with a sheet over them. Mm. We felt really strongly about that, that we wanted the message that, you know, people in It's their, still possible. It's still possible. And pe- people have those feelings and people still want to be adored and loved and express their love for each other and are passionate and are highly sexual. And so we felt very strongly about that. Yeah, that we did that.
1: Is that harder to do as an older woman or do you become less inhibited? Oh, for me, so much
2: easier. And but, but also because things have changed so enormously. When I was younger, if you had to do any nudity, it was kind of like everyone strip off and do it. Whereas now it's a closed set. Um, there's an intimacy coordinator who you talk through your character with? You talk about it, it's, it. It was so beautiful to do because not only were Hugo and I such good friends, so we have a history, so we're comfortable with each other, mm. but it was never about sex. It's about communication and and intimacy. So it's very much about this wonderful woman, Amy Cater, who's the intimacy coordinator. She would talk to us about well, who's leading this? So it would be about who's leading, and then who leads, and so it's about a conversation. Um, listening and responding Mm. rather than about sex.
0: Yeah. I I, I must admit my wife and I are still blocking scenes on ours. But uh, (laughs) I'm just thinking, (laughs) how much of it is confidence do you think, Age? because you, you you do get a confidence when you get older, don't you?
2: Well, I hope people do. I think some people lose confidence mm. and I think that's possibly also because of I feel like I have a very I'm very, very fortunate to be in an industry where I meet a lot of people and I work with a lot of young people. and um it's very much about communication. I think confidence comes with surrounding yourself also with people who can hold you and you know support you as as much as you supporting them. So I feel confidence possibly is also some people really suffer with confidence as they're getting older because we are facing many different things as you get older. And if you don't have the network, if you don't have the
0: support structure. support
2: structures, and identification with those people or with with something, I think a lot of people possibly lose their self-identification because they stop working. And they lose communication and contact with people.
1: Mm. Mm. How's, how's your health, Heather? Do you have any ailments you'd like to share with us? Oh, thank
2: you so much. Look, I just, <laughs> it's not health so much, but I noticed these last few years, I always look down where I'm walking now,
0: <laughs> which I
2: used to not do. I'm very conscious of not tripping, I'm mm-hmm. very conscious of protecting my bones. It's a big thing. Health wise, I had a reoccurrence of cancer last year, and um, I've got wonderful doctors, and so I'm managing that. And that would probably be a lifelong management, but that's great that I live at a time when there's been oh, yeah. such Medical a focus mi- miracles, on miracles, and also breast cancers had such an amazing amount of attention. So illness, fortunately, no illness, but health definitely does become a huge priority, most definitely. And I think I've recently gone and had a whole lot of you know blood tests and scans, and mm. I, I always think. The Queen, for her to have stayed alive for so long, she must have had a physician on hand and everything would have been checked constantly. (laughs) And I think that, you know, as one gets a little older, it's important to go to the
1: doctor. Do you have have an exercise regime? Uh, Heather, our, our previous guest, Jane Hutchin, actually came to the studio in which you're sitting in her gym gear. (laughs)
2: <laughs> oh, see, I wish I'd She's done serious. that. I wish I'd done that. No, I did listen to hers and I thought she was wonderful. And the things she said were so fantastic. And, yes, exercise does become extremely important. I would, I'm would. i hoping to start doing some bunge size very What's soon. What's that? It's a room full of people with bungee uh, oh, strings yeah. on. So that when you're doing the exercise, you're all doing the same exercise, there's no... Terrible impact to your knees So you're suspended, so you're suspended. Isn't it wonderful? Oh, wow. And you're bouncing And anyway, I can't wait I to do, do that it.
0: That sounds like fun I would have liked that when I was a youngster What's
2: that called? Bungesize size, I believe Oh, I love the sound of that So I'm <laughs> going to start that But I, I walk My son has an app that he checks me every day oh. And says, you haven't done your 10,000 yet <sighs> And you have to go into another 10,000 So at the moment, I'm just walking a lot <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, you know, you, you've got two lovely boys, Seamus and Finn. You know, you're looking after them as little kids and certainly it was very intensive at various times for you. But also they get older and you get the feeling they've got their eye on you these days. They're yes, I do. taking over that role.
2: Yeah, do you feel that with yes, you? Yes, I do I think that they're um, making sure that we all stick around for a bit longer because they've really got nowhere else to live. and yeah, they um, like the um, food. They, they, <laughs> They need to keep us alive. But no, my son, who's very into physical fitness, he makes sure that I, you know, he often comes and says, would you like me to help you with that? Mm. But then he pulls out a 25 kilo weight and I say, no, thanks.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Would it be fair to say that opportunities for women of a certain age are opening up a little bit more these days?
2: Look, I hope so. Because I'm in a fairly rarefied area, I really can't answer that um, widely. Uh, You mean
1: in terms of acting? Yes, but in terms of
2: professionally for most Mm. women. I've been talking to a lot of women who have, even um, if they're not working, they're doing volunteer work in very interesting areas. A friend of mine has just, she's in her late 60s, she's doing a TAFE course because at TAFE over 60, certain courses are free. She's doing a TAFE course where you get credits so that you can um, use that. She's also um, volunteering for kids, who are in are carers for their parents. So some kids who are actually caring for their parents, helping them with homework. I mean, there's so many great things you can do. Mm. I think it's really about looking and being curious enough to, I think curiosity. As you get older, curiosity is a really big thing, um, mm. to remain curious and to get to know some young people because I think it's really, for me anyway, important to try and look at, Things through young Their people's eyes. perspective, yeah. and not
0: other than the fact that they're annoying.
2: Uh, other than the fact that, they're but you know, it's so easy to say, you <laughs> yeah. know, this is this is hopeless, this is dreadful. I hate this, all this technology, blah blah mm. blah. But it is really important to try and understand, particularly if we're going to leave long time before they are, that we leave them in a way that they feel that we were there for them and yeah. that we were encouraging and um, supportive of them. Yeah.
0: Is it fun? Are you having fun?
2: Yeah, I'm having a great time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: I think that's the most important thing for anybody who's uh, a little bit senior is the fact as long as they're having fun.
1: Oh, yeah. Look, uh, you what know, do you know- mean a little bit senior? What does that mean?
0: Well, uh, we're all a little bit senior, <laughs> <laughs> aren't we? I've got a touch of senior about me. How old are you?
1: We're 100% senior, mate. I'm
0: 64.
2: Oh, there we go.
0: I'm I'm a song.
2: Yeah, I see. I, I don't th- I don't even know what age is anymore. Yeah, I went and had my eyes checked the other day, and he said to me as I went in, a, a woman who was much older than me, it's appeared, walked out, and he said to me, he said, uh, "Oh, eighty's nothing anymore. Eighty's young, wow. but ninety-five, yeah, that's yeah. getting old." <laughs> but he was talking about eyes. But I thought that's great mm. that eighty is he thought was young.
0: Well, I always love it when you go to the doctor and they go, "Oh, you've got the lungs of a 20-year-old." You know, it's it they they have these analogies. So you think, "Oh, boy, I've got 20-year-old eyes. This is just pretty good." You know, I always work for positives. I look for Yeah, it I think that's really great.
1: <laughs> Heather, do you have a tendency to be grumpy at any
2: at any time? Oh, I can get grumpy more about domestic things, I think. I can get a bit grumpy mm-hmm. about wet towels on the bed and Um, garbage overflowing and oh, you know, I've got to do that but I think that's pretty much where my grumpiness begins and ends I certainly don't like injustice which I'm sure most people don't if I think something's not quite right or not fair but no, I wouldn't say I'm someone who's quick
0: to anger I can't imagine you angry I'm sure you've played it
2: Oh yes, I'm sure everyone can but I think that that's where there's I think you can get into the habit of making a choice there I I think it's short-lived anyway
0: yeah, sometimes it's good to get something out of your system Yeah, right? absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. Heather Mitchell, it's so lovely having a chat with you Thanks
2: Heather Thank you
1: so much
0: Please like and also subscribe Thank you for listening, I'm Angela Coturns I'm Ian Rogerson Leave
1: a comment, as long as it's nice <laughs> If it's not, That's right. fuck
0: off <laughs> yes. See you next time, Ed. Bye <laughs> And I want wine with my meds yes. <laughs>